Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset, where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. What is up, people? JB here. Good to see you. What's up? Doc. Chilling. And how you doing tonight, Doc? I am exhausted, but I'm here and happy and cheerful. Why are you exhausted, man? What's going on in your life that you're so tired on a Tuesday? I just ran seven sessions back to back. I thought you were going to say seven miles. I was like, dang, I was impressed. (laughs) Seven sessions is like seven marathons, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time. That's a a heck of a long time. It was a very condensed day. So, yeah, seven hours straight. It's a long one. I can appreciate that. We're there. What we do. Well, yeah, just another day in the life, right? Just another Tuesday for the doc. Now we do it. How was your day? Busy. When are they busy, man? But I had a, I had a great day. I, I got to talk to two or three new soon-to-be clients and get them on board and get them happy. And I uh, had a couple other good conversations. So moving along, you know, I, uh, I measured by my pipeline. And my pipeline right now is very very busy. Um, so it's good. I'm looking forward to having a drink, man. I'm jealous. What do you mean you're jealous? Uh, because I'm in the office. Um, I did not get to plan that far ahead. I didn't think about that through. So, so I did not have a cocktail with me. Let, I did drink let, a, let me get this right. Be- better business brewing and you're without a cocktail. I got plenty of con- beverages. <laughs> <laughs> They're just all water. All right. All right. Well, I I have a little something I picked up for tonight to try. Just a, a, a little something, right? Uh, can we can we all see this? Single in Havana. Blonde mm. ale with guava. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be any good. I'm a little concerned that it's with guava. But uh, I'm thirsty, so I'm willing to give it a shot. What do you think, folks? Give it, give it a little taste here. You're fruity enough. Let's see if you enjoy it. You know, I want to take uh, I want to take offense to that. This is not bad. It's sweet. It it it's pretty sweet. But it's not terrible. <laughs> you know, I'm thirsty. Damn it, I'm I'm, I'm drinking this thing. <laughs> and I know I don't know who's saying yuck, but um. Okay, it's not great. You're right. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I said. You're sweet enough that uh, you can't drink too many things that are sweet. Oh, okay, Doc. Whatever you whatever you say. <laughs> that, that's right, Garber. Even my houseplants don't want it. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it was nice to buy. I thought it was a little different, but I don't. 
I don't think I'll be drinking the rest of that six pack. You know, this is the perfect gift for somebody you don't really like. So who gave it to you? <laughs> Five beers in a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll, that'll be the last, a single in Havana, at least the with the guava. Yeah, guava is a, it's an interesting fruit in general. I mean, the only time I really see guava is uh, like in pastry. Yeah, I guess. In cocktails sometimes, right? Guava and cocktails. Yeah, I guess Cajun on sweet, sweetening up. I don't know. Not not my not my cup of tea. Not uh not what I'm gonna drink going forward. I will I will bully through it over the next hour or so just because I'm I'm gonna need something to drink at some point. So I'll make do. Um I'm just gonna stay hydrated, drink my water. Well, you've had seven sessions, so you you you've been salty. You need to hydrate. Yeah. Speaking of, I got to imagine, man, seven, seven sessions, pretty much back to back, right? First of all, I think you're crazy. Anytime you go back to back like that, it's, it's a little nuts, but, um, do you have to like say anything to yourself to, to keep yourself listening during that? Because in a therapy session, right? I got to imagine your, your whole job is pretty much to listen, right? I don't mean to diminish what you do, but you, I mean, I mean, most of it's just to allow them to, to speak. I, I imagine that's got to be hard to do all that listening. Well, I mean, I think that is the misconception a little bit is that it's like, just lay on a couch and tell me a story. And I kind of sit there. Um, but like most things, people are very unique. And um, while there's some similar themes in some of the cases throughout the day, quite a big a variety uh, and I like that that there is that kind of variety so it keeps it fresh for me so um, some I'm talking a lot uh, doing a lot of psychoeducation and psycho rock with the duck uh, a lot sometimes I am listening and just kind of helping guide so it really is different for each one which keeps you interested keeps you in your no two things are the same do you, have, do you have any like tips or tricks for active listening? Because I think, you know, you're talking about challenges and I just I just presented in tail on this, but uh, active listening, tough thing to do. Most people are pretty bad at it. I got to imagine as a therapist, you learn to get pretty good about it. Maybe even take some classes in school around it. We got, what are your tips on that? The first part of that is a big part of active listening is you have to be active uh, when you're listening. And what I mean by that is kind of repeating back what you're hearing is a very good strategy for a couple of reasons. A, it kind of reinforces what's being said. Um, if they're saying something, you're reinforcing it back as the making sure that you're hearing the right thing, that you've got the message correctly, that you're not misinterpreting. Because think about how many times uh, in a conversation you find out you didn't hear the same thing that the person next to you heard. And how many things come out of that we won't talk about that as couples right but so first part of it is to make sure you got the right message that you're hearing what they're actual dealing with is accurate and your your interpretation of their presenting problem is accurate um, so you have to actively respond back to what you're hearing so that they know that you're on the same page as them um, and then if it is something that is something that you're trying to make a stick that actively repeating it back kind of does the reinforcement part for you too so there's two little pieces for it um, that I find just off the top 
that are very helpful and active listening. You know, so you're the one that presented on this for an hour, so I want to hear your great insight. Well, I, that's a big part of it. So, you know, what I presented on this, it was really in a virtual world, right? It's how do we actively listen better in a virtual world? Because actively listening, active listening is hard in person, pre-COVID, pre-virtual. It's even harder virtually. I mean, you see it, right? You, you get people, they jump on these meetings and, and the last thing they're doing is really staying focused with their attention on something. They're all over the place. Uh, but how often have we been in those situations, right? We, we collectively where we say something and what we think we say and what we actually say are two totally different things, right? Yeah, I, I saw you, Doc. I'm paying attention. So what we say and what we think we say are two different things. And then what somebody actually hears and then what the, how they interpret what they hear are two different things. So there's like multiple points that can break down anytime we communicate, especially virtually. And I, you hit the nail on the head. They say in sales, two ears, one mouth, right? So how does somebody get better at active listening? Right, zip it and listen more. And, and to your point, you'll save time, energy and effort by repeating back what you heard from somebody. Because if you did hear something different than you thought you heard, it's going to come out. And if they meant to say something different than they actually thought they said, they're going to stop you and they're going to say it again. And it also allows somebody to share with, with you what they were really driving out of why, because sometimes we say stuff and it's for a reason, but that reason's not always readily apparent to everybody else. Uh, so when it comes to actively listening, I think you, you, you said it perfectly, man. We have to stop and just ask those clarifying questions and make sure we understand what's being said in the first place. And as much as it feels like doc, that would slow things down. It actually really speeds up a conversation because now we're not all going off in different directions all over the place. We're actually, we're in it together on the same page. And with, with like that being on that same page, there's a mutual understanding there. We can actually accomplish a lot more, much more quickly. It's pretty interesting. The other thing that's interesting that the side effects sometimes from repeating back the words that they just said, even if it's not exactly verbatim, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Uh, when they hear what they said coming from another person, sometimes that either A, gives them some clarity right there where you don't have to go any further, or they just said, what the hell did I just say? That didn't make any sense, but that is what I said. So maybe uh, I need to rethink about what I'm saying or it's not really an issue to begin with. So sometimes you just get clarity right away, not even having to go any further than that. Um, just from being able to, you know, mirror back what they, what you heard them say. Yeah. And, and it, it's interesting. I think we're all at, at all times not paying enough attention to what's directly in front of us. And this isn't just a, I mean, this isn't just an active listening speaking. Thing. I think this is just like the truth in some what's directly in front of us we we kind of tend to ignore it's like it's there it's always in our vision and so we don't really pay attention to it we almost zoom it out uh as if it's not there and so just staying focused and keeping our attention on the conversation at hand can really help us actively listen. that means doing things like putting focus on the phone so you're not getting distracted all the time the phone's not blowing up 24 7 uh 
shutting down other tabs, for example. So you're not bouncing with 20 things in front of you on the screen. There's a lot of little things that we can do to keep our attention better focused on whatever's in front of us. Uh, and I don't know that we're all very good at doing that. And, you know, my, myself included, right, man? I mean, it's not, it's not everybody else. Like, we, we all struggle with this. This is, this is a universal thing. Well, and it's even more prevalent now because we have we've become very easily distracted as a society, and that That's is cool. reinforced every day. Um, naturally, we we become you know people tune out during things because they start getting in their own head. They start thinking about what they want to say, so they're preparing their response before they're even really finishing listening to what you're saying. But now, when you add in all the distractors that are around us that are just naturally part of our day to day our brain is accustomed to doing those things. So you have to reel in not only our propensity of being distracted, but now our brain being trained by all these other activities to, to do other stuff. And that takes a lot of focus to hone that back in. And as we know, with any kind of behavior, it takes that repetition and practice doing it over and over again to make it stick. So it's a challenge when your own brain's working against you. That's a challenge, but here's the cool thing. If you are focused in on this and you're really trying to actively listen and you make a real effort to eliminate all those distractions, you are going to totally stand out. I mean, compared to most people who you can see them, they're like, then something's going on. They're not paying any attention. All right. And it's so obvious, uh, especially virtually. Right? We would never do that in person. If we were sitting across from each other. You know, it would be considered so, so, in such poor taste to be sitting there staring at our phones the entire time, right? Either that or it's like a married couple that doesn't really want to spend time together. <laughs> One or the other, right? It's just a poor taste. There's a poor relationship going on. We would never allow that to happen in person. So, a virtual, it seems much more acceptable to bounce around and do a million things at the same time. Uh, but you look, you look like you're doing it, right? You look like you're not paying attention. So, just pay attention. And that's the thing I want to add, though. And I think this is where perception comes in. And what you're fighting against a lot of times is the perception if you're paying attention or not. So when you are virtual, you're only getting the small box of a screen for them to see what you're doing. So you may be paying attention. You may be looking down because you're thinking and contemplating, which if you were doing a person sitting across from them, think about if you're actually talking, pay attention to this next time too. Uh, a lot of times when you're talking to someone, you are kind of looking away and you're thinking and the person knows you're engaged. It's just the body language that you happen to choose because they can see you in the environment. They know you are still paying attention. If you do that same thing virtually, now they're assuming, even without any evidence or not even really being the fact, that you're looking at another screen or looking at your phone or doing something else when you could actually be doing those same kind of body language uh, factors that you would be doing in person. You're just not aware of it because you just you know naturally look away while you're thinking. Um, so you have to be aware that the other person is going to have that perception that you're not paying attention, even if you might be. So you have to be even more on and aware when you're virtual. Well, well, well so I don't, I don't know if, if I would say more on, but, but I don't disagree with what you're saying in general. I think it's more that you need to appreciate that if you're virtual, what you can do in person and what you can do virtually uh, are going to be different because 
when you're in front of the camera and, and you're virtual and you don't have the body language in those cues, when you're not sitting across from somebody, you can't, you cannot get the same uh, level of communication behind the, the camera that you can when you're sitting or standing in front of somebody. So what we can do in person when we look away, for example, is we can show that we're still engaged because our body language will show. You don't get that virtually, right? That just doesn't exist virtually. You have to act differently virtually, right? That's the, the same cues you would have used in person. You can't use virtually. And uh, a great example is you can't you can't really make noise of agreement in, in person, right? You might say something, Doc, and in person, I might be like, oh, yeah, of course, uh-huh, uh-huh. On virtual, it just blocks, like the mics block each other, right? The audio doesn't work that way. You can't make those affirmation noises to show that you're following along with somebody. Well, exactly right. You're exaggerating a little bit, but uh, you're exactly right. You can't do that. Uh, so we need to be like just really hyper aware of that. I think virtually, if we're gonna if we're gonna really show that we're actively listening, because again, it's not enough for us to be actively engaged in listening. Uh, it's not enough for us to know we are. We have to get that across to the other person because it's not about us. It's never about us. It's about the other person. And if they're not reading it that way, then then you've got a problem. And being aware of your own tics or anything that you might have that. Is just an automatic movement for yourself, right? So an automatic thought, an automatic, like looking away when you're thinking, if the other person's talking and you're doing that, you have to be aware that that's something you do that so that you can be aware of that when you're doing it virtually. Uh, and sometimes you have to employ different strategies. I've talked to a lot of people that do a lot of stuff online and they actually do get distracted. So they get like a fidget spinner or they get a pen in their hand that they can play with so that they're still engaging in some of that, uh, activity that they need to stimulate, but they don't have to pull attention away the same way um, that they would if they don't have that kind of tool at their disposal. So you can get creative with what you do to kind of focus that way. Um, you know, look across the person that you're watching, which is also weird because our cameras are never where the other person is too. So uh, that's something you have to keep in mind too. If you're trying to keep the eye contact with the person actually talking, you're not actually looking at the camera anymore. So their eye contact is not changed from you. It's just all kinds of weird stuff that we have to pay attention to, but it's it's important. Yeah, to show that you're paying attention, you have to have intention when you're virtual, right? You have, you have to be deliberate, I think, in some of the ways that you act. And for example, looking at the camera right now, I'm staring at you in the eyes. If you're watching this right now, I am staring at you in the eyes. But frankly, I mean, to your point, Doc, you're not anywhere near that camera. Oh, thank you know what? That's a little help. I like that. You, who needs you on this? Let's just do, let's just put me on there. That's cool. <laughs> I always like looking at myself. <laughs> I'm only half joking. Maybe. Quarter. It's what, it's what makes the podcast so difficult for me. <laughs> it's only audio. It's, it's a problem. Although it's not anymore because you can find our podcast on YouTube. Same place you will find this uh, going down the road if you like. You sure can. So that's an interesting one, actively listening. I mean, that's that's just a real problem that people have. And and you don't always hear it called active listening, but I think most people would be like, oh, I, I need to connect better with people or, or you know, I'm not good at relationship building or, or I struggle with my sales. And really, I could turn around and say, oh, there's, there's a pretty good chance that if we're struggling with this, we need to take a closer look at our listening skills. And maybe maybe that's where we need to put some more work. 
relationships tend to work pretty well when you listen to somebody else. And it's a big part of our, our coaching strategy is imploring active listening. And this is one of the skills that we make sure we focus on with everybody that we work with, because it is so important. We have some people in the, that are viewing, if they want to throw some questions in the chat, also let you guys know if you are listening to this. So if you're seeing us live, obviously throw into the chat. We'll be happy to answer any questions. Say hi, introduce yourself. We don't always get to see who's here. So you have to tell us that you're here and we appreciate that if you do. Um, and if you are listening on the podcast, this was happening a week or so ago, uh, you could have been here live, but you weren't, but you could be. So know at the end, last Tuesday of every month that we are doing our better, better business brewing, easy for you to say. And you, all you have to do is either join our Facebook group, the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab, or check us out on any of our social medias for the time so you can be a part of this. And if you're in the lab, you get to answer questions ahead of time. So you can you, send them in the weekend. You know, I, I, I was so excited about just jumping in and getting started here and talking about actively listening. I kind of forgot to like preface it and say, hey, this is what we do. This is who we are. This is how we, how we, we, we run and wrap. Um, so thank you, Doc. That's a, all that stuff. Yes. Thumbs up. Give us a five-star review. Like us, follow us, all that good stuff. I got your back. Good thing we have that awesome, incredible intro that starts off every podcast. Uh, so that kind of fills you in on anything that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Without getting too much off the rails. Uh, what, what other challenges are we seeing out there, Doc? Did we hear any other challenges from some people out there we want to address? Staying awake after seven sessions? No. Was that just me? Maybe that just be me. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't, know. <laughs> don't, don't, don't ask me. Uh, let's see. What do we have? Let's check into the chat, see if things pop up. And let me check. Also, we have our Facebook group. I'm going to take a look right now to see if there's a question in our DMs, which we get a lot of questions in there. Yeah, while, while, while you're doing that, you know, we... Um, one of the topics that we've been talking about a little bit is, you know, just a lot of realtors that we work alongside and just some real challenges with, uh, I think, managing expectations out there right now. It's just it's a real tough environment. Right. And I'm not just talking about expectations like the realtors dealing with their emotions. I'm talking about, like, how do you deal with your clients emotions and expectations? Uh, I think that's a really big challenge that we've been hearing more and more about out there. Yeah, actually, I was just scrolling through the DMs, and that was one of them. Is like uh, you might have saw this earlier. Is that maybe where you got this one from? Uh, the maybe. challenge in this market that's crushing it. It's great for realtors in one sense, but it's killing us in another sense, where a lot of our buyers are missing out on the homes that they really want, um, and understanding and feeling like doc where i have to do therapy with them after because they're so devastated they didn't get the house that they wanted so as i think what you were kind of saying too right uh managing that expectation uh, that was a great question and a great lead in good job yeah well so i did not know that was there this was just kind of a subject that's come up a few times lately uh and and i can't blame any realtors that are struggling with this loan officers too right uh, just how do you, how do you deal with setting expectations when you're constantly getting kind of punched in the stomach? And that's a, that's a real challenge. So I, I would say expectations have to be set up front 
and set often. So we can't, we can't just set expectations, right? That's not enough. We have to, we have to set our expectations and then we need to consistently repeat those expectations throughout the process. And that's the first tool we can use to better manage to rejection and some of these things that we're really dealing with because it's, it's, it's hard, but if you do set expectations up front right away, and then you just constantly go back to that, it allows you to bring somebody back to the, Oh, Hey, you were prepared for this. We did, we did set the stage for this. This isn't, this isn't a shock and let's not let it get under our skin because we knew about it ahead of time and we can control it a little bit when we know about it. I think that's the very first thing that a lot of people miss. It's, it's setting it up front doc and then consistently referring back to it. Is that repetition or what? Something like that. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> a big part of why repetition is so necessary, whether it's in this kind of mode where you're setting that expectation or if it's a behavioral change, uh, anything that you need to stick is people don't hear you the first few times you say it. People might be listening and they're picking out parts that they want to hear. But just because you said it doesn't mean that they heard it. And if they heard it, doesn't mean that they were listening. So, you know, they are not processing everything that you're processing because you know the message you're trying to deliver, right? I know what I'm trying to say to you. You don't know what I'm trying to say to you and you're gonna pick the pieces that resonate with you. So if I'm saying to be patient and understand that we probably do lose this and that this is a crazy market right now and that the houses are going a lot faster than we expect and we're not always gonna get the house that we really want. They're gonna hear, it's a crazy market right now, we're gonna get the house that I want because that's what they wanted to hear. So as Jamie is saying, you have to repeat that message over and over again because it, you need it to stick and it's not always going to, and each time they hear it, they're going to hear a little different piece. Yeah, also, they, they, you know, they are. We've ever talked about that before, right, Jamie, in sales or anything? Introductions, saying hello, all those things. Mm-hmm, they're, they're, they're important. And, and, you know, some good ideas here is, expectations and setting expectations and kind of managing to this is all about communication, right? It goes back to communication, just, just like active listening goes to communication. So does this, uh, do it early and do it often and, and do it in another number of formats. So, you know, a great example is set expectations. You provide a team flyer, uh, let somebody know what every role on the team is and when the team's going to be in touch and how they're going to communicate and ask permission on how to communicate. You know, uh, I'll share a story really quick, working with two attorneys, helping out a family member for two attorneys in, in my one business. And, uh, you know, I have a, I have a go-to expectation that I said every Tuesday, I'm going to be in touch with a personal phone call, right. To keep you in the loop and keep you updated personally, right. Not just my team, but me. And, what I did with the attorneys was I simply asked them, I said, Hey, you know, do you actually want that phone call from me? It's what my default is, but I understand that you're a busy professional. Would you prefer an email? And you know, I got their permission to call. They said, Hey, you know, you could do either or let us know. So they, they gave me permission. So I, I not only did I set expectations and I do it, did it in multiple formats, I got, I got kind of permission 
to, to do it as well. And that gets somebody to buy into it. Right. And, and so it's, here's your expectation and we should be setting that stage for that, but it's very helpful. I think to get somebody to buy into it as well. And one of the ways you can do that is you can kind of empower them to, to give permission for that expectation. Um, so if you are in real estate and you're dealing with buyers that are going to like get knocked around a lot in this marketplace, maybe worthwhile to say, Hey, you know, I want to make sure it's okay. If this happens for, for us to, to do this, do this and do that. Right. When this happens, let's do this, do this and do that. And, and is that okay with you? And then again, it allows you to get back to that when something happens and have a plan in place and just a little bit of that concreteness and that certainty and an otherwise uncertain time for people will make them feel a lot better. Do people like to feel better? <laughs> they love certainty and they love feeling certainty. I know that much. Sometimes they don't like to feel better though. It just depends on the person. What's interesting about certainty is that is one of the biggest creators of anxiety is uh, the unknown. If you think about, you know, back to when you were a kid and you took a test and you have to wait over the weekend to see if you passed it, uh, especially if you're not sure how well you did on it. Uh, you sit there and you think about it the whole time, or if you're waiting for a blood test back from the doctor or wherever it may be, pregnancy test, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of that kind of COVID test these days, right? Um, <laughs> that's that creates the anxiety is that unknown because once you know whether it's good or bad you can begin to deal with it and process it uh so kind of being able to create some sort of feeling of certainty even if you're not have a great answer at that moment or not be able to fully give them the answer because obviously it's not known yet but creating that kind of certain feeling of certainty around your messaging to them your resolve your confidence in delivering it to them setting that expectation kind of goes a long way with taking down that anxiety. It's a good one. And people do love to have their anxiety reduced. You know, we live in just a high anxiety world nowadays. So anything we can do to help reduce that is a, it's a winner. Careful with that hand gesture. Look like you were smoking something. It would probably be also works on anxiety better than this beer. I don't know. <laughs> Awesome. We got a we we got another one here. Um, I do want before you read. I want to just remind everybody that is that might have just joined us. Uh, feel free to throw your questions into the chat. Uh, this is uh, again something that we do monthly. If you don't have your questions in yet, and you're like punching yourself in the the leg because that's the safe place to do that, um, <laughs> because you really wanted to ask a question and you didn't get to. You have time for the next time, or you can do it right now in the chat. Where are you punching yourself? <laughs> well, I was going to slap people, uh, but I, I learned that's not something you should do from watching Will Smith. Uh, oh. So I pivoted. Okay. All right. Nice uh, pop culture reference there. The, like the, Will, the Will Smith slap. That's a, that's a good one. All right. So I am going to jump on this. This is interesting. Uh, biggest challenge this person has leaders who do not understand that trust is connected to a developed skill set and can be assessed, monitored, and developed. So that's interesting. Uh, and I think what's interesting about that is you could read that a couple ways, right? Um, 
it's that trust can be assessed, monitored, and developed, or the skill set that trust is connected to can be assessed, monitored, and developed. How are you reading that, Doc? Um, I think more than one thing can be true. <laughs> of course you do. That's your good default. Uh, yeah, I, I can see it both ways. Um, just because trust is the leading word, I'm going with that. That is the main message here is that understanding that trust is connected to that skill set. Um, and that how people assess it, monitor it, and develop it is part of the challenge. So, you know, this this is interesting because I, I read this one and I don't know that this challenge is about trust. I, I mean, yeah, that that's the specific problem that that Trust ED Consulting put out there. Uh, but really, it's a it's a lack of education, right? What what speaks to me is there's a gap in understanding between where the leaders are and where ED Consulting feels the leaders need to be to probably to to purchase or, or use or follow through with whatever they're trying to, whatever change action they're trying to get from the leadership. It's a, it's an education question to me. How do, how do I educate maybe? Well, and that's why I say most things are true because I'm also using my powers of deduction by looking at the name of the person that sent it in and trust was in it. <laughs> <laughs> probably something that they speak about a lot. So I would imagine it's probably highlighted. So trust ED, which also is education, I guess, right? is so which we know because we know who that person is and um so that's why i'm going with both aspects are probably intertwined here how yes it is about education and education around how why trust is important in that concept yeah and funny enough um one of the best ways to develop trust is probably via education isn't it it's a pretty safe way to develop trust is to actually teach and educate i'm not commenting on that with the state of uh, affairs in in our school system and state right now so i'm gonna i'm gonna pass you know about the state of affairs in our school systems here <laughs> i did follow the latest legislative sessions okay man don't don't bring politics into our better business brewing this is why you need to have a drink because i can just be like take it take a drink and just stop what, what well, I, political. I i'm, I'm uh... I'm taking a back seat right now. I'll let you take the lead right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's pull back I'm out drink of that. Some water. One. Let's let's pull back out of that one. So the biggest challenge here is leaders who don't understand that trust is connected to the developed skill set. Um, I would imagine that most leaders uh, are probably not necessarily experts in leadership unless they've made it a real priority to become experts in leadership. I think more often than not, most of us, when we're, when we're put into leadership roles, we're drinking out of a fire hose and we're just trying to get done all the things that we need to get done in a day in an organization. I think more often than not, we have so much on our plate. It, it's just kind of managing as best you can. And some people naturally have good leadership skills and some people maybe don't, but they can all be learned and developed, which I, I think is the point here. Um, so how do, how do we get a leader's attention so that they know they need to develop this skill set better right and 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 focus in on on trust as a leader uh that's that's an interesting thing to think about 
And I would imagine this is a great story of, and, and you hear this from the military, right? You know, uh, a lieutenant comes in straight out of like the academy, right, into a unit, and, and the, the lieutenant thinks they know the exact right way to do things. And everybody in in the unit who's not an officer is basically like, hey, sergeant, talk to this crazy guy and tell him how it is, right? Because the trust is there and the knowledge is there and the relationships are there. And there might be something to be said about that, that as an example, uh, sometimes the best way to develop the trust is to have, have the leaders really work alongside somebody that's been in a role in support of the team for a long time already and and have them share how to develop trust with the rest of the team and that can be a really effective exercise i think for a lot of people coming in because the very best lieutenants end up being the ones who defer to the sergeant even though the chain of command obviously goes to the lieutenant in decision making it's the sergeant that can oftentimes you know offer the best insight and in, in the best way to handle the unit well and that's the practical application as opposed to just the uh traditional education so they you know what they've learned in school doesn't have practical application yet so they're just speaking directly and it, it's interesting i'll draw a little parallel to my old world of the restaurant business um bartenders used to come in for jobs and they would be straight out of bartending school and totally clueless to kind of about how a bar actually works because they learned in a, in a class that really doesn't teach you anything about bartending so if you're a bartender out there bartending school probably not the best way to go and their way of trying to show how well they were would be saying like cuba libre instead of rum and coke which is an automatic way to so practical education um, also needs to combine with that actual education uh, another great story and this is where i see the leadership challenge and going back to part of the question a lot of times especially in the kitchen uh, you'll get a great line cook who is really great at their job and they start to extend up the ladder and then they start to get a position of management. So now they could be a kitchen manager, assistant kitchen manager, uh, supervisor of the line. So now they have a position of authority and no skills that have gotten them there outside of being excellent at what they do. But now they have to manage these people that are next to them, which were their peers shortly a while ago. And now their peers are interacting with them different and they're trying to figure out why don't they like me the same way this is the same person i've been next to the whole time but now that they have this position of power there's a certain expectation from them that they don't get that same kind of level of interaction with what used to be their peers and i saw a lot of problems with that because they weren't able to change their mindset to understand that now these aren't the people that i'm just buddies with these are people that i have to lead and and get them to do things and sometimes have to reprimand them or redirect them in a way that causes animosity from the person that they were right next to before. So learning those skill sets is something that worked a lot with with anyone that was kind of getting into that position, but it's not something that anyone thinks about when they're just doing that promotion. They're just like, oh, this person's great at their job. So they'll naturally be great at this position. And a lot of times that's where we saw the struggle. So it's not called Murphy's Law, but there is a law, uh, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but there's a law that says, you know, we we all get promoted to one level above our actual ability. I don't necessarily believe in that, but it's an interesting thing. And you actually see that play out in the corporate world quite a bit because what happens is somebody is very good at what they do. And they say, okay, well, you're a 
great salesperson. Now you're going to go be a sales manager and they're the worst sales managers. They're like awful at that job, right? It, it is just not their skill set. They have no skills that are management related, but because they were really good at their previous role, it's like, oh, you're naturally going to get promoted. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, we can have natural leadership qualities, but I think there's there's a real kernel of, of absolute truth and in, in, in kind of that challenge, whether it's fully stated or not, that we probably need to work on developing our leadership skills very intentionally if we want to be good leaders. We can't just we can't just go into the role and expect to be good at a leadership role without having significant experience or skill development behind us. And it's to know what you don't know is the biggest challenge, right? Um, when you do get in that promotion and you get put in that position, you might feel overwhelmed right away. Uh, and that's when you want to be proactive and say, I need someone to teach me these skills. Um, whether it's getting a course in leadership or hiring a coach or a mentor or joining mastermind group or something around that area. There's a lot of ways to get that education and not all of them are the traditional um schooling but you can you can get as we know someone that we work with is uh leadership is getting their masters in leadership and that's great because in their level of position of their their company that's going to be a great way to leverage that but not every position requires you to go to school there's many of other ways to get this um and if you're in the scenario that i was just mentioning then obviously there's someone that promoted you you know let them know what your weaknesses are and help them mentor you and that's just one area that you can start doing that. But you have to be aware that it's different and you have to learn these skills. It's not just something that comes naturally to a lot of people. So you know what, you know what I love here, Doc? I, I love the natural progression in our conversation tonight because we, we started talking about active listening. Then we talked about setting expectations. Now we're talking about leadership and trust. And it, it's really interesting to me because underpinning all of these things, I could argue, is communication. Uh, because I think in, in my experience, uh, working within Fortune 50 companies and working with uh, presidents and CEOs down to senior management, executive management, C-level suite management uh, into, into the Salesforce, for example, is the biggest failure I ever saw in leadership. And the number one way to lose trust was failure to communicate and lack of transparency. And you saw that time and time and time again. And when communication broke down, trust broke down and leadership broke down. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting journey tonight to see us talking about uh, active listening, which is communication, to, to hear the conversation around how do we better set expectations, communication, and then getting leadership to understand that you need to develop certain skills for trust, uh, communication. It's, it's all communication, man. Communication is the heart of everything, is whether it's a relationship, whether it's a business partnership, whether it's a parenting relationship. Uh, communication is the backbone to it all. And the best communicators have the best success. And I can't emphasizes much how important communication is in all areas of your life. And it's a constant, constant learning. Uh, just when you think you know how to communicate, you want to keep practicing because there's going to be a shift and there's going to be a different person and you have to learn how to communicate a little bit differently with. So it's ongoing 
never ending, but a beautiful, beautiful tool to have. I love what you said so much. I put it in the banner below. You know, the best communicators have the best success. I, I couldn't agree more. It is one of the most important soft skills that you can develop as a professional or just in life in general. And communication skills for a lot of people are just sorely lacking. Uh, and we do have to work on them, whether it's in person or like this virtually. We just got to be very intentional with our communication skills and we have to continue to refine and work on them to get better. Uh, the expectations are higher than ever from, from people. So I got to ask, Doc, um, what's the best way for people to communicate with us. Well, you stole my segue. <laughs> Victory is mine. As I was going to say, which is the same kind of thing that Jamie just asked me, as I was just going to implore our listeners to improve their communication skills by reaching out to us and letting us know what you would like to see more of inside the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab. What kind of trainings you'd like to see coming from us? Uh, Obviously, your questions for next month's Better Business Brewing. Communicate this stuff to us so we can communicate back to you and create this great level of energy, synergy, and knowledge. Uh, I like to rhyme today. I think also it's just naturally happening. Uh, sometimes, yeah, rhyme, sometimes I rhyme quick. Either that or seven sessions in a row is like having seven beers or something. <laughs> You're drunk after seven sessions of listening. I don't know. <laughs> the psycho rock with the dot coming out with me. I need to, I need to have some rhymes. It's, it's lacking today. Yeah. Uh, but also if you want to communicate with us, you can leave a comment in our YouTube channel. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page, on our Instagram or any social media at JV and the doctor.com. Or there's a whole little thing on our website where you can leave comments and get in contact with us. So we've made it very easy for you to communicate with us. You just have to do it. That's right. So if you are struggling with communication, active listening, setting expectations, or even leadership in general, you can meet us in the lab or many fine people like uh, Trust Ed Consulting that focuses on leadership and trust. Uh, so hit us up, find us, and we're here to help. So let us know how we can. And uh, whether you want to do that anonymously, privately, or publicly, um, whatever works the best for you. It's not about us. If you want to work directly with us, that's another way, right? Like we, can. we like we that too. We do that. That's a great way to see some results. Yeah, Just saying. Right. We absolutely do. All right, Doc. I think uh I think it's about that time, brother. I have one more meeting after this. Oh, you don't, do you? I do. Why? It's a short one, hopefully. I hope. Ugh. I have a meeting with my toothbrush in my bed. <laughs> that's, that's my meeting after this. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. BBB. I'm JB. And uh, well, you're, you're until next time. No, no, I didn't try. It just came naturally to me. I'm just so, so good at it. <laughs> okay, then. On that <laughs> note, we're out of here. Peace out, yo. Later, everybody. <laughs>